Anybody else excited that it's Baptism Sunday around here? A lot, of, a lot of work and hours went into getting this thing, this mobile baptistry in here, and we're excited to use it, uh, this service. Um, you know, those three simple words that we just sang, I love you. All right, I don't know uh, if you remember how old you were the first time you said that to somebody. I'm not talking about mom or dad, but like romantically, like the, how, you know, I don't remember how old I was. I was probably too young to be saying it. But it's, uh, if you've been in that situation, when somebody looks you in the eye, I'm not talking about text or email, looks you in the eye and says, I love you, it can be awkward depending on your response, right? So I wanted to give you some tips on what not to say when somebody professes their love to you for the first time. Here we go. Number, here's 10 of them. Number 10, here's what not to say. I used to love you too. That's brutal, right? I don't say that. Uh, number nine, I got this once. That's so sweet. That's horrible. Don't, somebody just, somebody just you, know how, you know how nervous, like to say those words, I love you, and then to get back, oh, that's so sweet. Just might as well punch me in the face. Number eight, for real? Right, that's not what you say. Number seven, ditto, right? Now, it worked in the movie, but that's old Patrick Swayze's dead, and so should ditto. You can't, you can't respond like that. Uh, came out, somebody, this is the cooler way to say ditto, number six, right back at you, babe. I love you. Right back at you. No, no, that's not okay. Number five, people, you hear this, people say, I love you. They say, hey, me too. What does that even mean, right? If I tell you I love you and you say me too, you're saying that you also love yourself. That's not, that's not helpful. Number four, don't say thanks, all right? Number three, don't start an argument. Don't say, no, you don't. You don't love me. Number two, what do you want me to say? I think you know what I want you to say. That's why I just told you I love you. And the absolutely worst thing you can say when someone says I love you is, number one, I love you too, if you don't actually mean it, right? Don't get pressured or shamed into saying those words, right? So if you don't mean it, then you got to go with one of those other brutal answers. You can just be quiet. You ever been there? I love you. Appreciate you, all right? What we don't want to do is sing that to the Lord this morning, I love you, unless we actually mean it. And our love for him is response to his love for us. First John 4 says, we love because he first loved us. What we're gonna witness this morning, uh, this decision, this awesome, it's a, it's a response to the love of God. We, talk, we named our church Relentless, not because we're relentless. We wanna be, but I don't know if we are like we wanna be, but we named it that not on us, but on God. His love is relentless. It just keeps coming and showing up. This love, the Greek word in Scripture is agape love. Um, it's this different kind of love. Um, it's the unconditional, sacrificial, putting someone ahead of yourself. It's Jesus' love. And here's, the, here's what's different about it, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's like our response, like, I, you know, I, we're trying to help you understand why you love God and declare your love for God. This is why, this verse. This is how God demonstrated his love for us. He's like, I'm going I'm to show you my love. I'm not, it's not just three words, I love you. He said, I'm going to not say that I love you. I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. Before you get it together, before your life is right, your heart is right, your mind is right, before anything is good about you, I'm going to send Jesus to die in your spot. I'm going to take your guilt and your punishment through Jesus before you ever desire it, earn it. You can't earn it, right? It's, it's just his love. Because why? Because he is love. And guess what? 
He loves you whether you respond to his love or not. Isn't that crazy? You can completely ignore his love, and he's still going to love you. Why? Because that's who he is. He is love. Now, some of you, this unconditional love, the the one who made you and created you, who knows everything about you, loves you no matter what. Some of you like, that's, you kind of look at it like that, like I look at a Facebook marketplace, right? A little too good to be true, right? We've been... We've been trying to find a vehicle for our, for our teenagers, and I want to go to a dealership because that's, that's how you do it, old school, right? And my wife's like, no, we can find something on Facebook. There's great deals on there, and it's like too good to be true. If it, you know, found uh, this car is like $2,500 is what it had on there. It's like $2,500 for that? that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna steal this car. This is great. So you click on it, and then it takes you to the, to the website, and it's $2,500 down. Right, so they know how they're. They, you know, they don't tell you how much the car is. They just say it's twenty five hundred dollar down payment. I read this other one. This other car is like this is what my wife's talking about. You can, if you work hard, you can find a gym and all the mess. We found this car. It's like oh my goodness, this should not be this cheap. So I'm reading. It's beautiful. The years, the mileage. I read the whole description. It's a whole long description. At the end of the description, when you click on it, is two words: needs engine. <laughs> Come on, it's like. If it, if it seems too good to be true, it's because it is. Some of you live that way, and there's wisdom in that until you bring that to God, right? You hear about a God who loves you no matter what, who's unconditional, who would send Jesus for you before you did anything right, before you accepted or loved him or, or trusted him, before you did anything good, he would send Jesus to die in your place, right? That sounds too good to be true, but it's actually not. It is true. And Jesus built everything we're doing today across the planet, not just at Relentless Church. He built it on this, what we call the gospel, this incredible news of, of how he rescued us and adopted us through, by God through Jesus. We've been rescued and adopted. So Jesus um, died on a cross for our sins. We'll get to the cross here in a little bit. Um, and then he rose from the dead. Right? When he rose from the dead, your life and history and everything changed once and for all. So then he, he gathered kind of his inner circle together and he gave what people call the great commission. All right. And he said, all right, this thing that I've done, it's going to be talked about forever. It's going to be talked about 2000 years from now across the ocean in countries that don't exist. Um, and this thing's going to spread. And he got them together it's in Matthew 28. It says, Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here's, here's your job. Go, therefore, we're a result of them doing this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It was never going to be just a Jewish thing. Multi-ethnic right there in verse 19. It's going to go to all nations. And here's what you do. When you make a disciple, when this thing starts, when you baptize them, in what? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then you teach them to obey or observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So from the very beginning, this idea of what is baptism? Right? Why, why would we go all the trouble to, to pack up? We borrow this from another church. We pack it in. We run the water in. We try to get it warm-ish. Uh, it's warmer for first service than it is for second, so you're at the right place. Why do we do this? Because it's, it's from the very beginning, Jesus says, you're going to go, you're going to make disciples. It's going to start this initial response, right? The first time somebody says they love you, right, you got a decision to make what you do that. If you trust that love, your initial response biblically is baptism. And it's because God's so brilliant. He, he uses all of our senses. We have communion over here on the table. Some of you take that before or after. The taste, using the senses. Baptism is this visual. It's all about Jesus. We center our whole lives. We sang about Jesus. And, and Jesus was on the cross when he went to the cross. Right? The, the, the validation 
of God's love. He demonstrated his love for us that Christ went to the cross for us. And then he died. And when he died, he was dead for a whole weekend. Everything was broken and wrong, and there was no hope in the world for that weekend. And then he raised from the dead and validated everything he said he was. So it's that picture. So then he gave us baptism as that picture. As Jesus was on the cross, dead for the weekend, rose out of the grave, whole new world for all of us. Now we don't fear death. So when someone's baptized, they, they sit or stand in the water in the lake or the or the baptism, or, the, or wherever you're at, the ocean, whatever, and we're buried. It says, Romans says we're connected. We're buried with Christ in baptism, and then we're raised up to live a new life. Isn't that crazy? Like, it's this picture of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and we get to see it, and it's, it's humbling to, to be in front of people and, and get dunked in water, right? It's a humbling move that you're you're not actually dying, right? So don't, don't get scared. We don't hold anybody under long. But it's a, it's, a, it's a symbolic death to self, right? What do you have to know to be baptized? You don't have, there's no test. You don't have to know the books of the Bible in order. What you got to know is that you want to surrender your life to God, that you want to trust him. You're willing to die and be buried with Christ and come up as the new creation that he made you to me, to be, all right? So that's what baptism is. It's God's chosen um, response, right? And this is something you do uh, once when you need to, biblically, you need to be old enough to make the decision for yourself, right? So it's not something somebody makes you to do or you go to a class, you do at a certain age. Baptism is your response to the love of God. He didn't just say, I love you. He said, I love you. Let me demonstrate it on the cross, this brutal sacrificial act of love. Do you trust that? Do you, if I love you enough to send Jesus to die for you, will you trust me with your life and your future and your pain and all that you are? And if your answer is yes, then, then you, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, so we're going to see that uh, this morning. We've got, I think, one or two in this service that already have come and decided that they want to be baptized. If you're in, if you're, if you're, Isaiah's here, if you'll come on over here with Raph, we're going to baptize you guys in a second. We want to give everybody else a chance. Yeah, Isaiah, it's Janai here. All right, Janai, if you're here, I don't see you. So we're going to count on that second service. Um, now, um, these, these are folks that made decisions at uh, camp or in, in our services the last few uh, weeks and was like, hey, we got a baptism Sunday coming. Um, but we don't want to, how can we, how can we talk about the love of God and not, and not open this up? I don't know your stories. I don't know. There's nothing on your forehead that tells me who's been baptized and who has not. I have no idea. But when we talk about the sacrificial love of Jesus, and I used to, I used to, I used to feel so much pressure. I got to say this just right and get you to get baptized, right? And God's Release me from that. What we believe is that we're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. The power of God is in the news of what Jesus did for you. When we say that, preach that, live that, lives change. Like, you can't, you can't stop it, all right? So um, it's, it's not about a decision for me or a response to me. It's about a response to the love of God. Um, we prayed that, that you'd be open if God might be calling you to be baptized. You're like, well, I'm not, I didn't bring, Isaiah's got his stuff. He's already, maybe you're not. Guess what? We got you. We got we got clothes, we got underwear, we got everything you could need, all right? And we're not going to baptize you right now, but we baptize you at the end of this service if, if you desire that. So uh, if you just would uh, close your eyes with me, bow your heads, and we'll just give the, the room, uh, God, a chance to do what he wants to do in the room and um, pray for you, and then I'm going to count to three. And if, you, if you're being led to be baptized today, I just want you to raise your hand good and bold. Jesus was bold for you. Maybe this is your day. God, would you speak uh, like only you can? Uh, we, want, we prayed earlier this morning, God, that this, this service would be a demonstration of your power. 
Um, would you touch hearts? Would you give courage and boldness where it's needed, God, if there's one in this room that today is their day to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Would you call on their heart right now? And we pray this in Jesus' name. If that's you today, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Baptism today is your day. Okay, I got you. All right, you guys can open your eyes and look up. All right, all right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. All right, Kelly, if you'll uh, if you'll go the back if 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 you'll go back here, we'll we'll help you get what you uh, what you got. And we're gonna we'll, we'll take care of you at the end of the service. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. All right, so let me turn it over to Raph now, and you can lead us through. Okay, oh, that's better. <laughs> this is my little brother Isaiah Moss. He is uh, going into seventh grade this fall, and uh, I had the pleasure of getting to know him really all throughout the. Are you asking me to move over? Come on over, Isaiah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so. Got, got to know him over throughout the school year, and uh, a few weeks ago, we, we got to go to camp together, spend the week together, and uh, man, this is, a, this is a special kid. He's, uh, I, I was just having a conversation with, the dad, with his dad in the back. Um, he's got leadership potential all over him. You can just, just see it in him. And, uh, one of my favorite things uh, about him, though, is, is really uh, he's one of the funniest kids I've met, too. He won't say anything today, but I'm telling you, you get to know him, he's, he's, he's hilarious. Um, but, but even more than that, God is, God is doing something in his heart, man. Just uh, You can see it months ago in the questions he was asking and how he was leaning in, and God's been, been doing something. And um, this, uh, again, a few weeks ago at camp, God really got a hold of him, and, and he surrendered to the Lord. And today he, he comes be before his church family to, to be baptized. So, yeah. So I'm going to ask you, Isaiah, to, uh, to repeat after me, okay? I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. Because I know you believe this. It's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Still, man. All right, I think that's the first time we've done it in the middle of the service. So, Isaiah, you can go and uh, get your, I hope you brought some clothes. Uh, get, um, and we're going we're gonna to pray for you at the end of the service, Isaiah. So just come back in here. We're going to pray for you. And this is uh, Kenan and Tiffany, parents up front. So we'll have everybody come up at the end of the service, anybody who wants to, and just pray over uh, that young man and another young man that we're going to baptize. So, um, Kelly, if you can let him know, after the last song, we'll do, we'll do the, the baptism of the young man that raised his hand. So... I got more preaching to do, all right? So I'm trusting that all y'all have been baptized. All right? If God's, if God's working on your heart, that invitation never closed, so we're always going to want to talk to you about that if, if you want to. But it, there's two surrenders. There's this initial surrender. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God with my life. And then sometimes we don't tell people, well, and then there's another surrender every single day. There's a daily surrender to I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to die to myself and live um, for you. Um, there's this, 
there's this scene in Scripture where they're trying to uh, bust Jesus' chops and trying to trick him and ask him all these hard questions, and he's, you know, shutting them down right and left. And then we have this, it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to look at Mark's, um, and it says, one of the scribes um, came and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked them, which commandment is most important of all? Right? It's like my head is too much, like there's so many commands, and the Jewish people had added all these commands on top of commands, and you couldn't do this and that. You're like, Jesus, can you just kind of like narrow it down? Like, what is the most important? A lot of people would think, well, Jesus isn't going to answer that because it would minimize everything else. And Jesus did not stutter. Verse 29, he answered, the most important is, and he quotes uh, what's called the Shema from Deuteronomy, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Isn't that beautiful, the simplification that Jesus gave us? We'll put it all right here on, it's the most important thing you could ever do. And it comes back to love, right? And these two commands are, are intertwined, right? He says, this one, he says the second, but it's really, there's no greater command. They're connected. The love of God with everything we got is then going to spill out on the love of people. That's why we do tabling. If you guys haven't been in on tabling, like, do you understand people are feeding you for free, right? And the two that I went to June and July, it wasn't like some random, you know, sloppy joes. I mean, it was like, it was like high level, beautiful food. So, um, get in on that on the website if, if you want to. But, but what, what, this, what Jesus is saying, as you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's going to affect the people in your life. That's, all, that's the most important thing. The love of God, as you get to know God and love God more, the more you love God, the more you're going to love people. Right? Something we want to do phone booth Christianity sometimes, which is not what Jesus taught. We want to do like it's me and him. It's just me and God. It's just me and God, right? We struggle through that with the pandemic. I can worship God anywhere. Okay, you can. But as you love God, people are going to get that love flowing through you. It's going to spill out on whoever you're around. But here's the hard part of this. He calls this a command. Love the Lord, your God. And some people have tried to whittle this down and simplify this whole paragraph with uh, love God, love people. You ever heard that? Which is a great, it's a catchy phrase. I've said it. But it really doesn't capture that. Because it's not just love God. We say we love summer. We say we love, you know, sloppy joes maybe. All right. But, but this is, it doesn't just say love people or love God, love people. It says love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a total, complete love. And it doesn't just say love people. It's a qualifier. It says love people as yourself. Right? As yourself. Like you're putting other people ahead of yourself. It's that agape, sacrificial love. But it's a command. How can you make somebody, how can I command you, love God? How can I, I can't, right? I, I do, I've shared with you before, 1989, some of you weren't alive. I prayed a prayer by my waterbed, right? Do they still exist? I thought it was the coolest thing in the history of the world when I got a waterbed in my room. And I knelt on my knees and I prayed this prayer, this girl, Kelly Wilson, who's now Kelly Jones. I, I prayed, God, would you make her feel about me the way I feel about her, Right? And, and eventually, uh, eight years after that, she stood on a, on a stage and said, I do, in front of God and witnesses, right? You talk about miracles, right? It's the, one of the greatest mysteries of the world of how, and all I can do is, I don't know if God, I don't know if God like, heard my prayer and made her love me. I don't know. I, don't, I can't really explain it. If you know my wife and you know me, you probably can't explain it either, right? 
Because I don't, I don't think we, we're not made to love, but yes, yet it's a, it's a command. So, so how do we, if this is the most important thing in Scripture, to love God with all you got, then how do we, how do we get there? All right, we, we, use, we like acronyms around here. The staff picks on me because I'm all about the acronym. But we talk about KLO. If you've been around for a long time at Relentless, we talk about KLO. And it's know, love, and obey. And the order is really important. The more you know God, the more you love him. Right, that's why I was scared sometimes when we're in the dating stage. I was like, I want Kelly to get to know me. But then I was like, if the more she knows me, will she love me more or less, right? Because there's stuff. And, and this, is a, this, is a big, this is a big, bold thing I can say from stage. The more you get to know God, the more you'll love him. Guaranteed, every time. That's how confident we are in who God is. The more you know him, the more you'll love him. And then Jesus connected, if you love me, you'll obey. The more you love him, the more you'll obey. We get this out of order, we mess people up. With culture, sometimes the church, we want people to obey and they don't know who God is, right? You can't, the obedience flows out of the love. The love flows out of knowing. The more you get to know God, the more you can't help but to, to love him. It's the difference between knowing about somebody and knowing them, right? In my family, uh, any, anybody into like the genealogy, ancestry, and you love like to know, like, like, right? So I got family members that are, they just love that stuff. So my mom, like, we picked on her about it because she always wanted to talk about David Caldwell, David Caldwell, David Caldwell, who's my great, 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 I don't know, I think four great grandfathers. He lived from 1725 to 18. 24. I, I thought I was named after him. Later, towards the end of her life, I was like, you know, you, you named me after this guy. And she's like, sort of. It's like, what do you mean, sort of? All right. David Caldwell, there's a, there's a statue or a, a little monument. There's a park. It's not a museum. There's a park in Greensboro, North Carolina, celebrating his life. He was actually, there was a, there was a ransom on his head from the King of England because he was um, doing, you know, doing stuff for America. He was a pastor and a preacher and, a, and an educator and a physician. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I don't know the whole, I still, I've been to Greensboro. I've checked it out. You know, my great, great, whatever grandfather, my namesake, there he is. He's good looking chap, not real happy in that picture. Like, I don't think back then they, d- they did the cheese, one, two, three. Like, this looks like the picture right before, when you just take it before the countdown. Um, but here's the truth. My, my mom could tell you everything, you know, all kinds of stuff about, and she wanted us to learn about him. And I was like, okay, whatever. All right. I know some stuff about him. I don't know him. I never met him. He's dead. I can't meet him. I just am wondering, I'm curious if, if maybe some of you view God a little bit how I view David Caldwell. You've heard about him. You believe that he exists. It's like, how can I know him? He's not, he's not alive. He is alive, right? You can't see him. Like you can see a human, you can feel him, you can see him in other ways. We're not talking about, you know, Paul said, there's nothing better than knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's, it's not knowing about, right? Some of you think that's what we're doing. We're not, it's a waste of time. We're not doing 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock every week and living the lives we're living so that you can know about God. We want you to know him relationally, have a relationship. We talk about relationship over religion. That means you're interacting, you're talking, you're, you're in submission, you're surrendering, this daily surrender, uh, it's... It's powerful. You know, the more you know, go back to KLO, the more you know, man, the more you, you, you get to know them. That's where we're a church for the untold and unconvinced, right? We're just trying to help people get to know who he is. We're not scared. If they get to know him, they might not like him. No, the more you know him, the more you're going to love him. And, and the greatest command ever is to love the Lord your God with everything you have. Last week, I asked a tough question. I talked to you about how I've been struggling through this question of, you know, I had a stroke in November of 22, and, and God has been so incredibly good. 
so incredibly good. I can never deny, I'll argue with you all day long, the reason I'm standing here doing as well as I'm doing today is because of the goodness of God. He has carried me in every way. It has been so obvious from my perspective of who's with me and the reality of the loving, compassionate God. So the question I asked last week, if you can be so loving and powerful since my stroke on, why couldn't you be that loving and powerful one day earlier and prevented the stroke? Right? Now, if that's a question you would like to know, like, like go back and listen to last week's message. I'm not going to re-preach all that. So I talked a lot of reasons of, as of you know, why, would he, why, would, why wouldn't a loving God prevent bad things? And we kind of got to the place of there's something even better about God carrying you through something than preventing it. Yeah. Right? And, and one of the best things about that, I didn't say this last week, is this how you really get to know God. If you, if you, if you know God from a distance, man, when you go through stuff, Right? You get to know God in a way that's just different, and it's so personal, and it's so powerful. And the more you know, I love God more than I did a year ago today, and I loved him a year ago. But part of the reason is because I, I know him in a different way as he's carried me through some really hard things. I've showed you this quote before. I love this quote. It says, it's not, it's not that problems attract power. It's that problems invite the surrender that attracts power. Right? What does he want? He knows you. He loves you. He wants that surrender. The more you know him in this surrender relationship daily, um, surrender, the more you love them. And, and the more you love them, the more you desire to obey. Listen, when I disobey God, I sin. If you didn't know pastor's sin, come on now, right? When I, no matter the sin, you pick it. When I disobey God, God says it can always be traced back in some way to a, a love issue, right? And a trust issue. So I got to get to know it. The more I know him, the more I love him, the more I trust him, then I know and trust that he is who he says he is, and I can trust his word, and what he says is right and wrong. And, and, I, and as, I, as I know and love him more, then my desire to obey increases, right? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. It's not guilt-based obedience. It's love-based obedience. So if this is the greatest command ever, and we're talking about loving God, how can we, how can we, if it's Knowing, how can we increase our knowledge and love of God? Well, there's a lot of ways. This is one thing we're doing together. We're increasing our knowledge, not just about, but in our relationship with God and loving him. Um, and this is a statement that we started the year with. It's become so personal to me. I try to live this out every day. My number one priority today is to spend quality time with God. Right, we got, I know you got to-do list. I got a big week coming up. All right, but my number one priority today is to spend quality time with God. That comes from this. The more I know him, the more I'm going to love him, the more everything is in that. In that time, what do we do? You dwell on who he is. You dwell on who he is and what he did, and you dwell on the gospel. And we're forgetful, right? Uh, talking about my kids, we're trying to find a vehicle, uh, which we found, by the way, and guess where we found it? Facebook Marketplace. I just had to go look at the dude and meet, look in his eyes like, okay, this, is, this dude is not a scam artist. If he is, he's really good at it. So he seemed like the right kind of guy. So, but just, I forget how hard it is to be a teenager in that weird fr uh, phase of um, childhood to adulthood. And, and I had a great teenage life, but just being real, not trying to be too old here, it is harder to be in that stage today than it was back in the day. There's just so much stuff coming. And I forget that, right? I don't walk in their shoes. And, it's, and I don't want to forget that as a dad, as a pastor. I don't want to forget what the next generation is dealing with. I forget, I forget what it's like to be a parent with young kids, right? I watch you guys chasing your kids around the church. That is a young man's game, right? It is a young, 
person's game. And I forget sometimes what that was like. Like, you know, because it's crazy when, not that you're selfish, but for my whole um, adult life before kids, like I did what I wanted to do, right? And it, Saturday was like special and sacred and sleep, sleeping in. I can still remember when I tried to, when I realized a couple years into parenthood, they don't have a clue what Saturday is. Like they're up at the same time and like they have, they, like what are you doing up? Like they don't have any concept. My life is over, you know, of, of what Saturday is. We, and and I, I want, we have so many young uh, families and parents and I need to remember what that was like in order to pastor you well. You know what we can't forget? is the gospel. If we're going to call ourselves, it's on the back of my shirt. Gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. If we're going to center our whole church, our whole service, our whole life, who, who these, you know, so excited to see Isaiah get baptized, like we're, we're going to track him. We're tracking like where is he going to go and where's God going to take him? We're all a part of that. We're going to center everything we do around the gospel. We got to not forget what that means and what the gospel is because as we step deeper and deeper into what we call the gospel, we're going to know God more. We're going to love God more. We're going to obey God more. We're going to actually be able to fulfill that commandment. We're going to love the God, God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I want to give you some help because you're like, how do, how, do we, how do we make sure we don't forget? I'm just going to give you some exercises. Now, these are, these are exercises I use, not physical exercise. I wouldn't do that in front of you all. Um, remember that time, that pandemic where I planked on the Easter video? Man, what, what a dark time. Um, <laughs> This isn't physical exercise. This is spiritual mental exercise. So this, um, I'm going to give you two. Um, these are things that I, I do, and they may be weird to you, but they help me center my life and my day on the gospel. The first one I call the cross exercise. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and then some of you are like, you know, I didn't, make, I didn't tell you what it is. So, so what I'll do, I'll stand back here in, in my office slash green room, and I'll spread my arms out. Right? And, I'll, and I'll think sometimes I get whiny about pain, that whatever physical pain I go through in life, and I just, what was that physical pain like for Jesus? That he was spread out on a, Christ with his, on a cross with his legs bolted to a wood with a spike through both wrists, fighting for every breath. Right? And I look to my right, and I look back, and I remember what he did for me. And I think about in his pain that at any second he could have stopped it. He could have jumped off the cross and have been the coolest fight scene in the history of the world. And he chose to not. He chose to stay there. Why? Because there was no other way my sins were going to get paid for, except for the perfect holy sacrifice of my, of my king. So I think about my mistakes, my sins, the times in life where I've blown it. I think about the verses that say, because of what he did, my sins will never be counted against me. Right? The, in, in culture, we talk about, oh, one day you're going to face your maker. You're going to, right? In scripture, the gospel teaches that we'll never have to pay for the sins that Jesus already paid for. He, he handled it once and for all on the cross. And that frees me to live a different life. So I just dwell on this, what he did. And then I look to my left hand and I, and I connect to do what he did and where I'm headed, what he promised. Jesus has never lied. Everything he says has happened or will happen. Just as he rose out of the tomb like he said he would, he's coming back. He said soon. I believe he's coming back soon. So I think about what he bought for me. When I breathe my last breath on this earth, what I will experience and how good it's going to be and how long it's going to last. If there's a real world, I'll have a real body and live a real life and there'll be no stress. You know, imagine a life with zero stress. Like in heaven, you can't be stressed if you try, right? And this is going to last. It's going to be a most amazing thing. And you're thinking, this is the best day of my existence. And then it's going to hit you. This is what every day is going to be like 
forever. There's people that we love in this church that are there. They're experiencing that. We're going to go join them. This is coming. It's going to be better than you can imagine. That's what's coming my way. How bad can this week be? I'm heading here. He loved me. This was the demonstration of his love. How much does God love you? This much. This is what he bought for us. This is we're going to be where he designed us to be in relationship with him. We're not going to need faith because we'll be able to look at Jesus. This is what did happen. This is what's going to happen. And then I put my arms together, kind of hug myself, and I use the phrase in Christ. It's a big, it's a big phrase in Scripture. And what does it mean? It means that the miracle of the death on the cross, pain for my sins, the miracle of what's coming, in the meantime, I'm not just waiting for that and thinking about that. In the meantime, I get to live every day in Christ. The same powerful God that loved me enough to send Jesus and raise from the dead. The same powerful God that loved me like that. The same powerful God that's going to resurrect me with a new body. I'm going to live forever is alive in me and I'm in him today. I carry his power with me to every meeting, to every family issue, to every circumstance. I can do that in Christ. I'm clothed with Christ. I'm wrapped up in the same Jesus who died for me and is coming back to get me. Right? That changes my day. That's a way to know him. And the more I talk about that, the more it just builds this love in me. But he, you did that for me. It's not just a line. It's not just a song. Like he did that for you. He demonstrated his love for you on the cross. And he is coming. The, historically, the big events of creation and then of Jesus coming to earth, the cross, the resurrection, the only enormous world event biblically that hasn't happened is the return of Christ. It's coming. And in the meantime, what kind of lives are we going to live? We're going to live in Christ's lives. That's the cross exercise. Now, we did a whole series about soaking in our standing. I think this was a year or two ago. And it's talking about soaking in who you are in Christ. So this is another exercise. I didn't preach this at the time because I didn't do it. This is another acronym. Aha. All right. So this is something, again, I'll just pray through these words to remind myself who I am in Christ. Right, so soaking in who God says you are. So let's walk through it. Soak, uh, the S is I'm saved. I need to say that out loud. I'm saved. There is a holy God and there is a just God and he does have wrath and he has given us options and choice and I've been saved um, from all that through Jesus. I'm owned, right? I belong to him. He owns me, right? The part of this decision that we witness is you're giving up control of your life. You're handing keys of your life to God and giving him ownership. That's your act of trust and surrender, right? I'm owned. I'm accepted by God. That's crazy when you look at the K. The K is that I'm known by God, that he knows everything there is. He knows what you're thinking in this moment. He knows the best and the worst of you, and he accepts you, and he knows you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. Then we go to the word standing. I'm a, I say I'm a selected servant. That's the word. That's the word I want to define my life. You know, when I walk into this week, I'll do this tomorrow morning. Um, you selected me, um, and I'm a servant. At the end of the day, I'm a servant. What's a servant do? He attends to the needs of the king. What do you need from me today? And it helps me see interruptions and inconveniences as opportunities. How, how can I serve you, God, through this issue, through this thing that I didn't see coming or whatever's coming this week that only God knows? I've selected to serve. It simplifies life for me. I'm a servant of the Most High God, I'm treasured. What? I'm treasured by this all-powerful God. It's, I'm not, this isn't true of me. This is true of you. You're treasured. He treasures you. I need to sit in that, right? And I, this, this forces me to sit in that God treasures me. I'm adopted. That's part of our statement, rescued and adopted. I'm adopted by God. He, he, he adopted me through Jesus. I'm adopted son, all right? Um, and I'm never forsaken or alone. He'll never leave me. 
No matter what you're going through, he's with you, and he'll make that clear. That's crazy. There's nothing that can happen this next week where God's going to check out on you. We're never forsaken or alone. D, I'm delighted in. God delights in his kids, and we can delight in him. That's crazy. God knows everybody, right? That's where we, some, we mentally we struggle sometimes. If God loves you, we got to love him back. We think, well, yeah, if my wife loves me, but she loves all 7 billion people just like that, that love doesn't mean as much. It does mean as much because God's not your spouse. He's God, and he does personally love you. And, yes, he loves everybody, but that doesn't minimize it. He treasures you. He delights in you. And then the I in standing, I go back to that in Christ. I am in Christ. That's who I am. I'm abiding. I'm connected. I'm intimate. Like I'm connected and he's with me. And the miracle of the gospel is that he is in me. His spirit lives in me. Uh, and in, I have nothing, because I'm in Christ, I have nothing to prove. Some of you need this. You need that, right? It's freedom in being in Christ. Some of you are living lives. It's a really heavy weight to bear. You're trying to prove yourself to a boss or to family or to yourself or to whatever, you have nothing to prove if you're free in Christ. And then the G, I'm not done, I'm growing every day. This is a process, we're all in process. It's the miracle of transformation, not transaction. It's a transformation. We get to watch this young man, Isaiah, as now this transformation, it's already started, but we're all being changed day by day to be made more like Christ until our ultimate transformation when we leave this world. So we're all, we're all in process. We're patient and gracious with each other because we know, I don't need to know your story, but I need to know you're in process just like me, right? And we're growing if we trust him. And I just, I just try to sit in that. What it does for me is it, it stirs up the love, all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. When I think about what he's done for me and what he's gonna do for me and who he says I am in him, soaking in my standing, it just it helps me just love him. And we wanna declare our love um, for him today. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to get to, we're going to get to sing this again. This is not a test, right? I try really hard not to look around the room and see who's singing. This is between you and God. Um, but if you believe he's done this, this gospel is true and it's for you and it's personal. Like, how do you respond? You respond with your life, but one of his favorite ways for us to love on him is, um, is worship. Like he came up with that. Man, I always, you know, used to think that somebody with a really good singing voice came up with worship. No, it was God's idea. And he says, if you don't sound good, he loves it because it's about your heart. All right, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to come meet this young man who, who just decided to get baptized. So we're going we're gonna to sing this song. And then after we sing this song, I'll introduce you to him once I learn his name. And, uh, and then we'll end the service with his, with his baptism. But I want you to know the story of this song we're about to sing. It's the most simple song uh, like Seth, I didn't have a paper route, but uh, I do. This is the most likely song for me to sing, um, you know, when I'm just driving in my car by myself. And I didn't know the story of it, um, but it's, it's a, a woman uh, named Laurie Brandemule. And I know she had a tough life because she lived in Oregon, and her last name was Brandemule. That's a rough go. It was, it was her, that was not her maiden name. That was her name by, by marriage. And, and she tells the story of this song. She was in this place of life that was really hard. They had moved to Oregon. Her husband was going to uh, college there. She had a newborn baby, so she's a first-time mother, and she just felt so alone. She said she lived on a, um, on a road in a mobile home, but it was on a highway. So she said she couldn't even take her baby for a walk in a stroller um, because it wasn't safe. 
All of her neighbors, she said, were old and didn't have, you know, they were tired of life and negative. They could not find a church home in the middle of nowhere. So they had no, she had no friends, she had no family. And this is how old the story is. She said they were broke. They were so broke that they couldn't even afford a call back home. Because back in the day, you had to pay for long distance phone calls, right? So she couldn't, she had no family, no friends, no church. And she says, I knew that life was in Jesus and that's all I had. And she says, the only time I could spend time with Jesus was I had to get up before the baby did and spend time with Jesus. And she was a creative, so she would get on her guitar and sing and, and do all this. And she just was so empty. I don't know if you've ever been there before God. She just got up one morning. She was so empty before God. She started to try to sing, and she had nothing. She couldn't pray. There was no song. She was just empty. That was her word. She was just empty. So she prayed this prayer. She said, God, if you want me to sing something to you, you're going to have to give me the words to sing because I got nothing. And she prayed, and she says it was so quick, this melody, and she scribbled it, she sang it, and she scribbled the words down. She didn't want to forget just this simple tune of, I love you, Lord, if you want to put those lyrics on the screen. And I lift my voice to worship you. That's all, that was the whole song at first. Then a couple days later, she came back and added the, to worship you, oh, my soul rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. So this song came out of a very dark, empty place about 50 years ago, and a lot of us have been singing it ever since. So I just wonder if God might use this song this morning for you to give him something maybe that's unnatural or maybe even uncomfortable for you, to give him your love, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let that come out as we sing this together. Would you stand? Father, we just, uh, we love you. God, we don't say that lightly. It's so... God, in our culture, as you know, like the word love can be used for all kinds of things and all kinds of crazy ways. But God, would you just remind us of this special, unconditional, sacrificial love that you would love us so much that you would give your son, that you would love us before we even trusted you, before we were in here, that you would love us because that's who you are. God, I pray we would respond with our lives with our voices, with our hearts, that you would receive something from this moment, that we would bless and minister to you, our God, as a church, and it would set the course for the week ahead. We sing and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. Allow us to just center on Jesus this morning. We thank you, God, for giving us these words. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Thank you, God. Rejoice, take joy, my King. In what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Everyone in the room this morning. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. worship you to worship you 
rejoice this morning. We thank you, God, for these words. In what you You guys can have a seat. I got to introduce you to my new friend. Come on up here, John. Come on. So this is John Aldridge. Where you want me? In front of the. Oh, I'm not. We're not. We gotta get in the light. Is that better? So we're filming this. We're going to show this to Second Service so they know what's going on in the 9 a.m. We don't want to be two churches. Um, but John uh, came for the first time here this morning by invitation. If you guys haven't met Charlie, 
Charlie's our friend in the back, and uh, Charlie invited some folks from the shelter where he is, and God's moving in that shelter, and we're so blessed. So he heard the same thing you heard this morning, and when we asked God to touch hearts, he raised his hand. So I talked to him back here. You understand what you're doing, this commitment, and he said he did. Um, so I'm so excited to just see God do what only God can do. Introduce you to John. John, I just want you to repeat this after me if this is true in your heart, that I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I trust him. And I trust him. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. 